0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Fill Your Bowl podcast. Each week I'm going to bring you new episodes which will inspire you to jump out of your comfort zone and ditch society's expectations of what's normal. This podcast is designed for anyone who wants to fill up their bowl in all areas of their life, whether that's physically, mentally, spiritually or emotionally. If you're finally ready to jump on the self-love train and opt out of what society expects of you, then you're in the right place. I want to bring you raw and honest conversations on mental health, relationships, navigating life in your 20s, healing your relationship with food, exercise and your body and lots more. Grab a coffee, turn the volume up and let's get started with today's episode. Thank you for tuning in and remember, what's the one thing you'll regret not doing when you're 80 years old? Now... Go do it. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Fill Your Bowl podcast. Today I'm joined by Joel Frost. Joel is a qualified health coach and is currently training in eating disorder recovery. He has recovered from an eating disorder in the past and is here to share his story with us. So welcome to the podcast, Joel.
1: Hello. Hi Lauren. Hi guys. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Well, thank you so much for reaching out to me because I'm always looking for people to come on the podcast and I love hearing people's stories. So I'm sure... Whatever we speak about today will bring so much value to the people listening.
1: No, for sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, so I guess first off, maybe if you want to introduce yourself in your own words, (laughs) tell us a little bit about who and what you do. I know you were just mentioning the wellness program that you currently do, which was very interesting. So yeah, I'll pass it over to you.
1: Yeah, perfect. So um, my name's Joel, obviously. Um, I'm 22, uh, finished university last year and kind of just fell on my feet um, within a uh, work for a private company who work in schools and i uh, run a well-being program for children within that uh, and then throughout that on the side i've been uh, running my own uh, business in health coaching uh, so i'm a qualified health coach now and then uh, yeah just started my training in uh, eating disorder recovery and therapy and yeah trying to grow more awareness around eating disorders not just for men but for everyone uh, and, uh, it was obviously something that I went through myself. So, uh, quite passionate about it and, uh, gee, I just want to just share more about it with other people.
0: Yeah. Amazing. I, this is very off topic, but I'm intrigued to know what you studied at university.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so I kind of, at university, I was there for the sport really. So, uh, I, uh, was there for college. I was like on a golf program, like studying. So I wanted to be a professional golfer. And I stayed on for uni and just was doing golf and I did business management. So very like standard, nothing like, nothing, you know, fancy at all, really. Just good, normal degree that a lot of people do. But obviously, yeah. a lot of goodness with it. But yeah, nothing fancy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I always find it really interesting to know because it's so hard at the age of 17 I think it's 17 when we decide what we're going to study to know what to study and then if I'd known back then that I really wanted to go into like nutrition and stuff I would have chosen that but chose something completely unrelated so then yeah you keep studying after but I guess business management will help you out in your health coaching business okay I would love to now discuss your experience with having an eating disorder I think it would be really helpful for the people listening if we go all the way back to the beginning so if you can take us through where it all began for you that would be great
1: yeah sure um so my kind of like eating disorder it started off very minor when I was at school probably when I was about 15 uh, I, I was a very active child. I played a lot of sport. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I remember, yeah, when I was about 15, uh, my GCSEs were, had started. And I remember, for me, academics never come easily. So um, I was pretty stressed out at the time. And I remember just like food being something which uh, I just relied on. Uh, I remember um, I'd, eat, I'd eat a good amount of it, nothing bad, you know, just I enjoyed my food you know, um, and then I remember I started to, friends of mine just started making subtle jokes here and there, you know, this kind of standard, like stereotypical um, jokes that someone makes, and I remember not really thinking about it too much at that time, it was uh, just something that, you know, I see joke and all of this, and then, you know, finished my GCSEs, and I went on to this new place, and I'd been in, I'd been at a public school, so it was quite like a sheltered, you know, environment, you know, pretty, you know, pretty friendly and stuff. And then I went on to college um, where every day I was seeing someone who I didn't know and I was never used to that. So I felt really insecure. I felt um, really like just didn't know kind of what who I was and, you know, where I was at with my weight. And I noticed that I would put on a lot of weight um, through the summer after GCSE. So I thought, OK, I need to do something about this. So. From that, it was kind of uh, I started exercising more, and it wasn't for the enjoyment really. It was just uh, the pure focus of like burning calories, and that was it. Um, and that and that was really where it started. Really, when I think the, the change was when I went from you know secondary school to college and just that feeling of feeling so insecure and I was just like this is terrifying (laughs) Mm.
0: so it's it's actually insane isn't it how our friends and the words that they say and like the banter that happens and I think it happens maybe a lot with the guys than what it does you know like you get that classic banter and then you you don't want to feel like you're shoving emotion and that it's maybe hurt you in a way when it actually has and I I completely get it because I feel like back when I was at school I remember hearing it as well like the banter and like oh look how much so-and-so's eating or stuff like that how were you dealing with those comments at the time when you were what type of comments were? well actually no maybe maybe we shouldn't mention that it's quite triggering but how were you dealing with those comments
1: um I think at the time, it wasn't really, uh, I wasn't, I didn't really process them, I kind of, they obviously hurt, and they obviously, it would always be a thing of, you know, oh, is that is that maybe true, or, you know, do, they, do I really look like this, or, you know, and, you know, when you're at that age, you're not really, you don't really think about that, you know, for me, it was never a thing of, like, appearance really matters, you know. You don't, when you get older, obviously, you know, all these stereotypes are coming in at like the gym and, you know, all these different things. So it was never really a thing of like, I looked a certain way. I just, I just didn't like the comments really. And it just made me feel, yeah, just the insecurity, just not feeling secure in myself. And it wasn't really to, until I had this changed environment where I looked back at these comments and I thought, oh, wow, like these, these people were right. I wasn't fat, Of course I wasn't. You know, I wasn't, you know, these things or what they were saying. Um, you know I wasn't overweight I wasn't you know any of this but at the time I really just clocked on to what these people had said in the past and because I was in this new environment I really felt like I had to had to you know do something about it for sure.
0: Yeah so when you went to college you mentioned that was when it all kind of began and it started with exercise how many days a week were you exercising?
1: well at that time it wasn't really extreme i remember um i got like myself a gym membership and uh, i was when i could i would go and i would sit on i would sit on a like a watt bike for like an hour like pretty, really, and i'd just be like just like sweating it out i remember like people would see me and at the gym or you and they'd be like what have you been doing and i was like just sat on, just sat on a bike you know, for, a reason, and they couldn't believe it so um i can't remember at that age really like it wasn't it wasn't the intensity um of the of the exercise at that point I think what started to creep in more so then was um was my binging and um this feeling of like i had to eat all the food that was there um because I didn't like not seeing i didn't like not seeing an empty plate so I had to be empty so the food was there so this started to creep in more so like obviously I was exercising but this started to creep in and when I would binge I would end up And if I felt really rough after, I would usually end up purging, um, which was something that started and it was always quite easy for me to do. It was never something that was difficult. So I would use this as a way of, um, if I felt I'd eaten anything unhealthy or uh, if I felt I had, you know, uh, eaten too much, it was just a scapegoat and something that, yeah, really started probably using it at that age as a really, like... Okay, I'm doing this to not like you know yeah. when you eaten something, cancel out. If that makes sense.
0: Mm. Were you? Did you have anyone to speak to at this time? Did you had you told
1: anyone about
0: what was going on?
1: Um, well, I think like my mum always knew. My mum, my mum was always like kind of quite on it, um, and you know I would flush the toilet, but it would still like there would still be you no. Know, um, signs that I had been I had purged um so my mum would always ask me and she's like you all right you've been ill and I was like yeah no, no no I'm not you know I don't know what that is you know classic but I, she always knew something was going on um and then it was until um I started like gaining more friend, friendships at college uh one of my closest mates um where I was at college where you could stay there so I would usually stay in my mate's room quite a lot I was golfing and I had to be there early so I was I was there a lot and obviously when you're with someone uh, for a few hours a day they're not going to probably see these parts of you but when you're with when you're staying in your friend's room they're going to see it so sometimes I would just forget to flush the toilet or whatever when I purged and my friend would see it and he would ask me and he's like what's going on and I was really I would always be super embarrassed about it Mm -hmm. because I was like I knew what I was doing was wrong and it was not right but and I could sort of, um, I, this was my first friend that I kind of opened up and I said, oh, you know, I do get a bit nervous around like eating unhealthy foods. And, um, you know, uh, I do get worried about, you know, potentially putting on weight or feeling overweight. And that was the first person um, I'd ever really told about it. And it's still my he's still my closest friend. And uh, to have that was always lovely. But yeah, that was kind of the first sign of oh. someone noticing really yeah
0: yeah well it's kind of like a weight off your chest isn't it when you have at least that that just that one person that you can tell like this is what's going on um was diet culture ever a thing for you did you ever get influenced by because you just mentioned with the you got got nervous around unhealthy foods where did that
1: come from well so my family's kind of (laughs) My family's always been a very healthy family. So, like, my girlfriend today will come around and she'll be like, your family's weird. Like, we could have a bar of chocolate, like, sat in the fridge for, I'm talking like three, four weeks, and it just would only get, like, a square at a time would be gone. That wouldn't
0: happen in my family. <laughs> Everyone hides their chocolate because it's like, who's
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, my sister's, like, really into her gym, you know, really performance-based. My mum, my mum's very, like, health, yoga. Um, but my mum, my mum had my mum had an eating disorder when she was younger. I'm sure she'd be fine me sharing this. Uh, and my dad has always been, you know, sensible around his food. He's not got an issue, but he's always been sensible. And he'd always say, like, I remember on holiday, he'd always go, "Ah, oh, I'm not going to eat lunch here. I'm going to have a small lunch because I had a big, big breakfast. Mm-hmm. We got a big dinner."
0: He sounds aware. Maybe he's aware of. Yeah, exactly. He's his needs, maybe.
1: So from a very young age, I started to pick up these trends and I thought, I didn't know why he was doing it, you know, when I was 14, 15, 13. But then as I got to like 16, 17, I was like, ah, he's, he's like, you know, doing that for a reason. So I kind of started to skip breakfast without really like thinking about it. This was in college as well. And yeah, I just didn't, I had two meals a day and it was normal and it was really hard for me if I ever had to eat breakfast when I got into that pattern it was it was it wasn't until probably a year and a half ago two years ago where I did start to eat breakfast again but yeah I mean it was it was just a way of me not again it wasn't I wasn't really thinking about it I just didn't want breakfast I didn't fancy it I didn't I didn't think about it but yeah I just cut breakfast out and I guess over time I started to stand up Well, I'm eating less food you know this is going to mean I'm gonna I can eat more of what I want throughout the day because I'm skipping a meal which is crazy to think I thought like that
0: yeah so you you started off cutting out breakfast and then do you think over time that fear of then introducing breakfast back into your day kind of started to creep in yeah
1: it was never good because like when there's family occasions or when there's things do with other you know with my girlfriend's family or with my friend's family or whatever there's going to be opportunities to go out for breakfast, brunch, birthday, all these things. I'd be terrified of it. And I would, I would turn it down at times. And, um, you know, I was, I was just like, it was mental. It was absolutely like, so sad to think that that's what it was like, but it's a very, in that time I just didn't think anything of it. I just thought this was normal and I was doing the right thing. You know,
0: Were you restricting other foods or was it just breakfast? Uh,
1: yeah so like I identified when I went through my therapy that my kind of fear foods were were chips and were chips I think they were like the main fear of food um, mm-hmm. I would yeah I would like uh, I still I even still because I'm aware still I go to Nando's um, and I get chips sometimes I fancy them I don't really like chips anyway that much but I would never I'd like go to Nando's or whatever you know I was, you know you'll you know Nando's won't you but yeah I would never like everyone would be smashing out chips and I'd be like now nah, I'm having like macho peas and like tender stem broccoli and, and they were have what's going on yeah. so you know um now I can eat chips and I love them but you know back then it was like a real main fear food and I would really avoid them uh, uh, like as much as I could
0: <laughs> yeah you mentioned that you never really liked chips but then you just said that you love them had you told yourself that yeah. you don't like foods, and foods is that what you were telling yourself and convincing yourself and then telling other people that you don't really like
1: it's funny I feel like um there's a time and a place when I love them uh, well, in the past, I would have loved them, and there was a time and a place when I didn't like them. let's say um I'd you know had done loads of exercise in the past and I knew I was going out for a meal where it would involve chips. I wouldn't have felt guilty about eating those chips um, i'd ne- and I, I would have felt like I'd enjoy it, but it was never a thing of like I'd always you know. If I had to pick a food, it would be chips. Like I've never, you know, being like oh, I really, really like chips. It was just a thing of like, if I've uh, if I feel like I've earned it, I can enjoy them. It was really, and I think I did hold myself back and, um, really, just not, just not want it if I hadn't felt like I'd earned it. mm
0: mm-hmm. Yes, I think what you just said there—you have to feel like you've earned it. So how were you earning the right to eat those? chips was it through exercise
1: yeah um so when i when covid came um this is like really when my eating disorder picked up so through college it was always um steady it was little things but it was never it was never major so covid came and you were like in england we were told you are about 45 minutes a day uh to exercise and that's it or to go outside so i was like my goodness and at this point you know there were things going on and i thought 45 minutes a day I've got to make the most of every single minute here so I would run every day for more than 45 minutes because obviously no one's like sat there watching you during lockdown um but I would run every day um and I would have two meals and I would always you know I, I would always run you know and I never felt that I couldn't have a rest day because I was just cooped up inside and I felt that it had to be so running was the main starter where this exercise started to control me and I never at that point I never really enjoyed running I just ran to just earn my dinner and my lunch which is yeah um you know looking back it's you know mental and really sad but um I would just run for miles and every day I uh, barely had a rest day and that was my main control factor of Saying I could, I can eat this food in the, in the lunch or for dinner. Yeah.
0: Why did you feel that need to have to run every single day? What was it that was driving you to have to run?
1: If I if I didn't exercise, firstly I would feel pretty groggy. But I didn't know at that point that there was other ways that you could feel good about yourself. So I thought that I would. Uh, my energy would feel really low, but also I'd be putting on weight and, you know, uh, getting in this way that I I, I put on, you know, yeah, put on this weight. So that was that was the main thing. It was never really anything else. It was just that I didn't exercise. I'm going to get going to become overweight, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like you mentioned that it, it was your way of earning. Yeah. Earning that food. Mm throughout
1: the day I just ate I just ate without exercising like I, I'd hate it I'd really hate it I'd feel really uncomfortable
0: were you still purging during this time as well
1: yeah 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 no all the time really yeah most like I, I can't remember you know it wasn't after it wasn't like a case of like after every meal but if I'd overeaten or potentially if I haven't exercised it was um it was pretty prevalent and um yeah something I would do fairly often
0: and what would happen if you couldn't purge?
1: Oh, um, I used to just find all sorts of ways of doing it. It, it. You know, there might be some, you know, there might be some scenarios where you can't get to the toilet or, you know, someone might hear you or, you know, um, but I would always find a way. There was never really, I can't remember a time that I ever thought, um, I can't do this here. I would just find a way. I I remember I worked when I worked at a golf club. I couldn't like leave the shop, and I just would go into the back and like I would put and I I'd eat a meal and I would like purge in this like water bottle and I'd hide it because I I couldn't leave. But that was my only way, and I just found a way. It's like it's yeah yeah. Well, you mean, <laughs> you know, yeah it. Where there's a
0: will, there's a way. You do just you find you find yeah. a way. So so you so it's during covid and you've been running every single day at what point does it just get all too much and you you're like i i need to recover like i need to do something about this was it you that made that decision was it someone else that made that decision for you
1: yeah i know so um at the end of co well at the end of first lockdown i went back to university for my final year and uh, uh I was still running and, you know, cracking on with it and nothing was really getting done. And it was my birthday uh, and I remember I had a load of good, I had a good load of good friends around and we were on a lovely night, really like, you know, I'd had a few drinks and enjoying myself. And then I just remember like something telling me, it was like two in the morning, three in the morning, and something was telling me and saying, you need to go on a run. You need to burn off these calories or whatever. That you've that you've drank or you've consumed a nice meal and you need to go and just you yeah, know burn it off and um, and again i have had a few drinks that and it's two in the morning and I lived yeah. I lived in a place called Bluster so you know it wasn't particularly it was pretty like pretty rough in areas. So like the thought of me going on a run at two in the morning is just crazy. And so but I went I went on this run and I didn't tell anyone. I snuck out, put my shoes on. I went around like 8K or something ridiculous. Oh, okay. Came back, and uh, when I left, my friends had rang me and, and they were like, What are you doing? And, uh, like, and I just said, Oh, I'm nearly old now, nearly over. And I was terrified of waking up the next day, feeling hungover, not being able to exercise. So, again, yeah. having a day where I'm not doing anything so it's like creeping in so I got back in and and my mate just sat you know they they said like what was going on like what's happened and I said I just started crying I was just like I can't think normally around exercise and eating and alcohol and I can't enjoy any of it everything I do is a really extreme thought process and so it was lovely to like tell some people but and they were really supportive and, you know, they are a lot of these people, my close mates and stuff. And, you know, and then I said to my mum, I said, I think, you know, I need to do something about this. And my mum was like, yeah, I've been thinking the same for a while too. So she knew like something was going on and, and it loomed for a little bit and nothing was really, I was never going to do anything about it. I was just telling people about it. Yeah. Um. And
0: also- I think that's, you kind of saying that you want to do something about it, but also you've still got that voice in your head, which yeah. is dragging you back. So it's hard to make that step yourself. It's like sometimes you need yeah. someone to just yeah. step in.
1: Well, funnily enough, actually, I forgot to mention this, but um before I told my mum, I watched this documentary. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about um the cricketer, Andrew Flintoff, who uh, he does a documentary on BBC about how he suffered with bulimia and with eating disorder mm. and how this guy, he's, you know, he's a very, um, you know, you could look at him and think, oh, you know, pretty masculine bloke. You would never he would be the last person you'd think to have it. But everything he said in this documentary that he dealt with mentally, you know, he would exercise fasted and he would do all these because he felt like he was you know, all of these things he was saying. I was like, that's me. And that was the real trigger where I was like, this is what this is what I am doing. And I know I've always done these things, but it's been someone to go on a TV show and say, I've got an eating disorder. And I was like, okay, that's me. And it was lovely to see a bloke saying that because obviously, you know, there's something I'm sure we're going to talk about, but eating disorders, you only hear a lot more about with women. And that's not a bad thing. It's just our culture and the way, you know, that's that's happened. So to see a man, I was just like, okay, I need to sort this. I'm going to speak to my mum. So, yeah, I spoke to my mum, which was like, best thing I ever did in the end
0: yeah Good. Yeah, and did she w- did she step in and did she help with uh, uh finding like going to a doctor like finding someone who could help
1: yeah so um my mum was working from home at that time and uh she ended up going on, on um uh, there's like the national center for eating disorders they did a free course and uh, my mum went on that just to find out more about it because she wanted to understand kind of what I was going through which was really sweet and um she went on this course and a lady who you've had on here um Caroline uh so Karen she she met well she Caroline spoke on there about her journey um Mm. and uh my mum and she obviously explained that she, you know, she Caroline's a health coach as well and she um did you know eating soil therapy. So my mum reached out to Caroline. My mum said, Oh well, I've got this woman and you know, I thought, Oh, okay, let's see what this is like, you know, a bit like, you know, mum mum's kinda of gone for yeah. someone, you know. Um but I was really open to it, I was never like not open to it. And then yeah, met Caroline, which was like like wicked, yeah. <laughs>
0: amazing oh I love that okay <laughs> yeah Caroline is brilliant I did have her on here um she's absolutely great yeah um going back a little bit what was your mental state like during this time like obviously you you were being controlled but what was like the or being controlled by your eating disorder but what was the one fear that you had like what did you have a fear around I mean you mentioned there were certain foods. there was fear around breakfast but Did you have any other fears like physically like to do with your body and appearance? Did that ever come into play?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I was always terrible, I'm a a big extrovert. I love people, I love spending time with people. Um, I just love connecting with people. And a big thing for me was during my first year of college, I didn't really have a great deal of friends and that was really hard. And and in my eyes back then, not now, I look at myself now, I think I was fine. Back then, I thought I was overweight, and I didn't have a lot of friends at that point. Um, so when I started losing weight and I started feeling better about myself, it gained more more attention. I started to get more friends. Uh, I started to feel more confident, you know, speaking to you know women and things like this. Uh, and my my golf game itself was going better than it ever had before. So all of these things that in my life from losing weight and having this negative mental aspect of my life seemed to boost everything else up. Everything else was better. You know, I felt, I felt more confident. I felt more popular. All of these things. My golf was better. And I was like, okay, what's wrong with this? You know, there's, there can be nothing wrong with this if all of these great things are happening. So I was always terrified of people not accepting me for... Being overweight, I thought people didn't like me because I was overweight, and because this thing happened where I lost weight and I grew in confidence and I became my normal self with people, I was like, okay, if I ever put weight on again, I'm gonna lose all of this. That was a big thing, you know. That was was like, and that is why my main, sole focus, like we spoke about earlier, was. I cannot put on weight because I have this beautiful girlfriend now that back then when I was 16 I never would have been able to have because I, I, in my eyes back then I was disgusting you know and that is not the truth for me looking at it now but back then I was just like oh can't be that, cannot eat, so I stayed like this so I could hold on to these beautiful friends, this beautiful girlfriend you know all of these things, yeah, that was my main thing.
0: And how did you overcome that fear?
1: a lot of work yeah. <laughs> yeah um it so Caroline was the person who I met um and uh I met her for 12 12 sessions I had with her uh and it was really I was open to that I was open to learn I think that was the biggest thing
0: yeah
1: hardest part about uh anything if you want to learn i believe is if you're not open to it uh, but i was i always i knew i always wanted to let go of it and um yeah for like eight eight weeks you know i well from the first session i had you know Caroline said don't don't if you're gonna you know if you're gonna purge you know here's some tools and i didn't purge i haven't purged since i first met her it's okay. just crazy. Like, it's lovely like that, that's happened so quickly obviously it's not as easy for some people you know so so I was very lucky in that sense, but you know, it was just working with Caroline it was listening um, and really trying. And I've always, you know, everything I do, whether it's sport work, you know, friendships, you know, I always give my all. And I felt like, obviously it's not as easy for people, but I was just fully invested in it. And I listen. and Caroline was just amazing. I think if I'd met someone else, it might be a different story, but because I had such a good connection with Caroline. I think that's such a key thing when you meet someone because yes. it's such a in-depth and personal thing you have to have that connection and me and Caroline really I saw her two weeks ago and you know we have such a close connection and you know text regularly so there's a number of different things to you know how it happened it was just you know I was very lucky that it was so so quick but you know it was um it was still a lot of hard work within it that's for sure
0: definitely, it's always going to be hard work. Like when you've lived with something for so long, you've lived with a certain mindset to then break free from that mindset. It's so, so hard. So I'm so glad that you met with Caroline and she was able to help kind of work through those thoughts for you. Do you ever remember there being like a switch in your mind? Because you mentioned that you haven't um, purged since you've met her. Was there something she said, something that just kind of switched and you was like, "Nope, can't do this? Because I think a lot of people might work with someone, but then they come away from that session and those thoughts, they are still there because they don't go instantly. They do they, they do still circulate uh, yeah. in people's minds. Do you ever remember there just being a switch where you're like, I can't do this?
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I never... Just because I stopped purging didn't mean that I had all these... That I lost all of these thoughts. I still had... Plenty of negative thoughts, and I still um, probably skip breakfast. You know, sometimes or skip a meal, or not eat that because because of this. And um, you know, uh, there was there was still plenty of that going on. Um, why if- do you? Sorry. <laughs> just,
0: why do you think you were strong enough not to purge, even while all these thoughts why? were still happening?
1: Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think. When I'm told to, when it's it's really hard because I feel like when I've when I've been told to do something in sport or in my life, and someone says, do this, stick to this, stick to you know, get this run done or get this workout done or you know you have to try and get in this position in your golf swing, I will do my very very best to get to it. And I, and because I'd only suffered with this eating disorder for four years, probably at that point, you know, it wasn't as ingrained and and I was able to just say. Okay, I can stop this. Okay, and that's why I said earlier, not everything else went, but there, there was some reason the purging. I was able to say, this can go now. This can, I can stop this, and it's going to be hard. And there were times, and there's still times today when I, I want to purge. You know, last night went out for a big meal, and old me was saying, wouldn't it be nice to just let this all, you know, you know? And I was like, but in my head, I was just like, don't do it you know it's not going to make you feel any better you're going to regret it and your relationship with food is going to go downhill
0: yeah yeah I think it sounds to me like you're you are a very strong person and once you've decided you're going to do something that's you're, you're working towards that and that's a very good trait to have and I think many people who do go through eating disorders do have that perfectionist trait so once they've decided on something they do want to excel at it and they have that kind of type A personality. I know I can definitely like relate to that. Like once you've, you've decided on something, you're very headstrong about it and we'll do whatever it takes to kind of get there. What about adding breakfast into your day? How did you find that when you, I'm sure Caroline kind of helped you help work you through that and help get you to a place where you're comfortable eating breakfast. Can you talk me through that? How you decided, okay, I'm going to start eating breakfast now, how it went for you the very first time, what thought processes you were having?
1: Yeah. So, um, we took baby steps all the time. Um, and, uh, so that was really helpful. We never jumped into anything, uh, too quickly, which was great. Uh, and at that time I was, I was really, I was super competitive into my running. I was really just started getting into it. So um i had a when i was struggling with with my eating disorder and not eating breakfast i would see how i would run and i would see how that would affect my body i wouldn't my performance would be like that some days would be sky high some days would be terrible and i would think why why is this you know why 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 am i like this and obviously over time i realized it's because i wasn't feeding myself properly so um when we started to bring in breakfast at first it was a really scary idea but Caroline kept saying to me she said your body just needs this food to survive let alone uh, and I never believed that for years I thought this is a load of rubbish like your body like burning calories from just eating food like what like do you know what I mean like uh, when you're shivering you're burning calories I was like nah like all of this (laughs) I was terrible and I and I just thought the only way I can you know lose weight or burn calories was go running so I realized that it was a thing of I had to eat food to be the best person for me because if I didn't eat this food I couldn't I couldn't give everything to me firstly I couldn't uh, couldn't run properly I couldn't be my best person with my family I might have severe mood swings Uh, I couldn't be the best person I could be for my girlfriend you know all of these different things and I think that was the main thing that stuck with me was understanding and getting the education around what food is um yeah. I never knew that and once I had that and I understood okay, obviously it was hard to bring breakfast back in after not having it consistently for two years but it was just bringing it you know having a small bowl of porridge maybe or you know whatever it might be a bagel or whatever just doing little things that works for me and I worked with the Caroline and just as I say baby steps are always key but just understanding what this food was doing in my body because I didn't know before and once I understood that I do need you know food is fuel I know it's really like cliche, but we need it and I did not like the fact that you know I would come home from work or university sorry and I would be shattered and I could barely string a sentence together to talk to my family or talk to my girlfriend I'd hate it. So once I started feeding myself properly and seeing these little baby steps I took were actually making me a better person within sport, within work, within family, you know, all of these, I was like, okay, this is feeling more comfortable, I'm going to add more. So that's kind of how I went around it.
0: Yeah, education is amazing. And I feel the exact same way. As soon as I started learning about why I needed certain foods, especially things like fat and carbs, I used to avoid carbs and fat. And I always told everyone I, I my body runs best on a low carb diet. <laughs> yeah, absolutely doesn't. Yep. Um, but I, I kind of thought I thrived off a low carb diet. But as soon as you start learning about why your body actually needs carbs, and it's like the primary source of fuel for your body, yeah, it, it's you. Really, do start recognizing. Oh, okay. Like it is okay to to eat carbs, and sometimes you need that person mm-hmm. that is going to tell you it's okay.
1: Yeah, no, to eat carbs. One person opening your eyes, and yeah, and and I think the important thing here is someone who isn't family or friends, because yes, they obviously we all know our family and friends have our best intentions, of course, and it's we need those, that support. But when you go and get it from someone who you have no relevance, like Caroline at the time, she had no relevance to me. I didn't know anything about her because she was telling me you need this. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to listen to you because I'm paying you this money firstly. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm, and you don't, at that point, she cares about my recovery, but she has no connection to me. So it's it's yeah. always important to get that external view in anything, I kind of guess we do, because what not just food. but Yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely, because we're always going to say with our family, oh, they're just saying that, like, they, they're just saying it to, like, they just tell me what I want to hear or yeah. what, I, yeah, what they think I need to hear. But yeah, going outside and look at external factors, like, so important. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that when you were going through um, kind of all of this in your uh, teens or early 20s, that mood swings were a thing for you. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and what that looked like for you?
1: Yeah, i mean it was never really a uh it was never really obvious uh for me i think the thing that was the key thing for me was when it was around when i really started to exercise and i was focusing on my running i was you know training with a coach and all of these things so i was burning thousands of calories and not fe- fueling myself at all i would i would just come back and i wouldn't be able to give anything to Especially my girlfriend. I remember I wouldn't be able to give her like my attention or uh, my care, my love. You know all these things, and I would be so tired. And uh, you know, and it was and it was really bad. And I and I really upsets me that I ever like put someone that I really care about in that position. And she's obviously at the time thinking, w- what's going on? You know, is 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 there something you know up between us or you know? And there never was. It was just because you know I didn't you know. Myself properly, and I would just when I would see her, I would just be absolutely knackered. And I was caring more about at the time my this eating disorder and this worry rather than someone that I really cared about because I just wanted to go running and I just wanted to burn these calories and I wanted to only eat two meals. And she was there and she was at the forefront saying, Please like why don't we eat breakfast and I was there going no 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 like I can't eat breakfast and almost as an attention thing like please tell me I need to eat breakfast And me going, and I was going no 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 no, I can't do that because uh, I'll put too many calories it was such a scapegoat for me but yeah uh, and I tried to use that but yeah it was just it was just the sleepiness I was just tired all the time and it was horrible like really really not nice for other people
0: yeah it is all consuming and you do just it takes up all of your mental space Mm -hmm. so you just have no space for anything else in your life like what you're mentioning all you can think about is the food and the exercise and it just it's really sad isn't it because it just takes you away from that present moment and you're just never truly living in the moment you're just always in your head like thinking about that next round thinking about that next gym session or in the past thinking about oh, what did I eat yesterday how am I going to burn off yeah. xyz calories and it's sad because we want to be living in the present don't we we want to actually be enjoying our life so it, it sounds like you had to I think what you were mentioning before about thinking about who do I want to be what person do I want to be and how can I show up as that person because eating disorders strip you away of all of your personality traits it just strips everything away and you're just left with thoughts around food and exercise and it's it is sad isn't it it's
1: super stressful and i don't know if you ever had it when you had some occasion to go to to and um it may be around food and you'd be thinking "Right, when am i going to get time to go on a workout or go and do this or i don't know if you found that
0: Absolutely. And I said no to many events, many, many events. I would say, no, can't go because I've got a gym session to get to or, yeah. yeah, I've got a run to go on, so I can't go. And it's so sad, like you, we, you end up missing out on all these fun things that you then see photos of your friends at on Instagram or something, or you there's like all your family are at a certain event and you're at the gym session you're going a bit later or something so it's it is sad and it does strip away so much fun and enjoyment from your life um one thing I did want to ask as well to do with exercise did you ever fully cut exercise out did you ever go you did
1: yeah it's terrifying (laughs) It it was it was mad it was crazy I remember uh it was around this time last year um probably in my ninth, tenth session with Caroline, maybe ninth. And um everything we're doing was working. There was always it was always working, but I hadn't had that, that thing where I've gone, this is done. I believe in this. You know, and I hadn't had that yet. So I had a I had a we I went I had a week where I ended up getting in hospital because I went I was I was in a really poor state with like my thoughts around food and alcohol and I ended up just Trying to show everyone that I'm the big boy, I can drink, I can keep up with you, you know. Screw the scene disorder, and I ended up getting in hospital on well, my girlfriend's birthday. So oh. I, was a, I was on her twenty first. So <laughs> yeah. so that's that's a good story. But anyway, yeah. I ended up in hospital.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> she was amazing, thankfully. But anyway, so I ended up in hospital, and I had and and I was, I was fine. There was nothing really that deep, but I was fine. Anyway, I came out, and about a day later, I had a session with Caroline, and she saw me on the Zoom call, and she was like, what <laughs> what has happened? And I was like, I'm feeling really rough, like, I'm not great. So she said, right, this week, this is the perfect opportunity, you're in a bit of a rut, let's cut exercise out. And obviously, she knew me well, so she knew I could cope with it. You know, she, you know, with many other clients, it's that's a long process, but... But luckily, with me, she said, "Okay, I, I know you can do this." You know, so she said, "Okay, no exercise." And luckily, I was going to see a friend, so I was preoccupied. So I went up to see my friend, and I realised that you know, um, but through that week, that I didn't need it. I didn't need exercise. You know, me and my friend went lake swimming. We played some golf, and you know, it was nothing, and there was no process around me thinking, I, "I'm doing this to burn calories." It was all just as pure enjoyment and having fun and I ate I still ate three meals a day every day as hard as it was and it was still really hard like, there was nothing easy about that but then when I came back I was like wow I just, I just did that but like, I just that's amazing so and I was like I never would have believed I could have done that a year you know a year ago let alone a month ago so that was really the turning point and you know Caroline was amazing for you know holding me accountable to do that because. I would never have done that if I didn't have to see Caroline next week and say, you know, and say to her that like, I have an exercise because it's so lovely when you get to share a moment like that with someone else. And she's who
0: understands,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: who understands how big it is because that's a big deal for someone who's gone through this, that's a very, very big deal.
1: Yeah. And that to was, have gone that and that was well. helped so much. Caroline had been through it all, and um, and it was just like one of the proudest things I've ever been able to do is just tell. Caroline, who I'd never met in person, who I'd known for nine weeks. And I'd just, I just I was like, I was so happy. And it was so lovely to see her happy of what we'd done together. It was lush.
0: And previous to that, had you told yourself that exercise like golf didn't count towards like your daily workouts? Like it had to be running. It had to be, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, walking didn't count, golf didn't count, um, but, like, I played golf yesterday with a friend who I hadn't seen in ages, and I was knackered. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, this counts. But because I wasn't, because, you know, in the past, I didn't used to get my heart rate up. I didn't used to get a proper sweater. And I was like, it doesn't count. But now I'm telling clients, I'm saying, you know, in a health coaching world, find the exercise which you enjoy. And at that point, I didn't enjoy running, so I shouldn't be doing that now. I love running, and I use it for the, to get better and quicker. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like... Find what you enjoy, and, and you'll go far with it.
0: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I think when it, during like exercise addiction, like eating disorder, and all of that, it half of the the drive, or for me anyway, half of the reason why I was doing exercise I didn't enjoy was because I thought I deserved that punishment. I thought the more I punish myself, or the harder the exercise is, the harder I find it, the better I am. the the more I'm going to earn that um, that dinner that I'm going to have that night. I don't know if that that makes sense um, to other people.
1: Everything you say there is spot on. You know, every time you're running and and you know um, you're, you're as bad as you felt, I would always get to the end because I knew that there's a meal at the end, which I can enjoy, and that that was the only time my when I had my eating disorder was when I exercised, when I felt free because I could enjoy the meal and that's the only time I kind of knew obviously I didn't get there in the right way but when I ate that food it was the only time I felt like I didn't have a disorder because I earned it in my head obviously that that way of looking at it that isn't healthy but I felt relaxed eating that meal whereas if I had no exercise I wouldn't so you know yeah it was yeah,
0: I <laughs> yeah, completely understand that. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about maybe the stigmas around um, an eating disorder and especially be the, the stigmas around being male and having an eating disorder as well. So did anything ever hold you back from reaching out and telling anyone or in the recovery process? Was anything holding you back because you found that this was more of a, a female-dominated space and there wasn't many males I mean you did mention that you watched that video uh which seemed to have been amazing for you and a huge like mind mindset shift so that's great but you ever have that yeah. thought process of this is something females have this is something yeah. males go through
1: no yeah no obviously I was always really aware of it being a female thing uh I'd known females growing up dealt with an eating disorder so I knew it was there um but I was never when when I started to talk about it and I started to think that I had an eating disorder I was never one to like not hold it hold it back from other people I'd always been quite open with it and I think that was a testament to my friends you know and I think in the male space um with eating it was never it was always a thing of when I was younger obviously I had jokes made about you know uh what I, how much I was eating but then when I got older people would say you know why aren't why aren't you eating you know why why aren't you having those chips or why why are you just having a glass of water and we're all having a waffle yeah. so and it, and it and it took you know a while but my friends started to see that this was something in the and in the yeah. end they asked you know if I was okay so I was always really lucky and I think it just depends on kind of the friendship group you're around and how they are um, but I never felt I was I was like, you know, just hung up on the washing line to dry. You know, I always felt that my friends were there and um, I was really lucky in that sense. And obviously this documentary that I watched was also a great opener. So I kind of decided this is normal. This is what men can deal with.
0: Did your friends understand when you told them?
1: Yes. Uh, I think they did. I think some of them did. Maybe some of them didn't. You know, they wouldn't talk to me like that. Um, My girlfriend, Claire, you know she didn't understand at the start. She was like, I can't understand thinking about, and she was always amazing. She was always like really lovely about it and really supportive, but she, we'd have all these chats about it and she would say, I don't understand how you can think about this food, you know, um, and you know, a lot of people have said that to me in a really positive, not in a negative way, just understanding that it is, you know, it's different.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it is very, very difficult for people who have never been through this to actually understand the thought processes that you are having. Because I, I always think about my sister, who is an extremely intuitive eater and always has been. And she's very, very in tune with her body. And if I ever tried to explain to her what yeah. was going through my head when I was deciding on a meal, think it's, she would think she just wouldn't understand. She would just say, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why you're thinking like that she just really couldn't grasp like why you think like that so yeah it's good to have people around you I think what you mentioned with your mom going and doing her own mini online uh, course to learn more about it I think that's absolutely great and it's so important to have those people around you who are supportive and are going to kind of go out their way to try and help understand it to help you
1: yeah, no, it, it is super important. And um, it's something that's obviously more prevalent these days, which is awesome. I'm so pleased that it's something more people are talk, talking about and being more creative about, obviously, with social media and, you know, like yourself. It's lovely to see how open you are about it. And that's only going to enable more people to understand what's going on in people's minds when they see someone doing these things that you may have spoken about that you did when you were younger or when you dealt with it, sorry, they can ask their friends, are you okay? Do you need help? You know, And I think, I think social media, we often talk about the negatives. A lot of people talk about the negatives and obviously they're always negative to things, but it's also really positive. You know, we can talk about this thing that's so, for some people it's, they can't even imagine it and they find it so baffling. But for us, it's the, bane of our lives and it holds us like it's got us like trapped but all it takes is that one person to ask like you know like my mum did or like my friend did and, and it and it can change your life it really can
0: and i think there is this huge stigma as well around eating disorders and needing to be underweight and looking like that i don't know you see photos all the time of the classic kind of anorexic look yeah. of someone being really underweight so Did you ever have the thought process that, I don't know if you, were you underweight for,
1: no, No, you were never
0: underweight, so yeah, yeah. and I wasn't either. I I never, yeah,
1: never extreme.
0: Mm. So it just goes to show that you can have an eating disorder at any size, because I think there's this stigma around eating disorders that you have to be really underweight to to have one, and it's just not true, and you can experience this at any size.
1: Yeah, me and Caroline spoke about this recently, and she says that there's people who say she isn't skinny enough to have an eating disorder. Or, you know, I have got quite big legs. Um, you know, I'm not a small guy, like you know. Uh, and you know, something we spoke about is when I am going to work, when I am open about this, there probably will be people out there who say, "Well, he's clearly not an eating disorder. Like, look at him. He's like, he's got big legs. He's not a small lad, you know." Um, but it's not necessarily how you look, it's the mental yeah. the mental way you think. That's the biggest part I would say. I don't know about you, but the ment once you get rid of that mental state, that mental block, then it's fine. You can you can eat and you know, you you, you can do those things. But if you have that mental barricade, then that's the real disorder in my opinion. Oh yeah.
0: absolutely. Well yeah. I yeah, an eating disorder is, is not a physical illness, it's definitely it's mental illness. Are there any yeah. other stigmas that you've come across? with eating disorders uh,
1: any other stigmas uh, hmm. uh, I'm trying to think it's a really good question
0: well one that I've always come across I mean I don't I don't know if you've come across this as well is that it is just about appearance and it's just about looking a certain way where for some people it's not only about that it might actually start off nothing to do with that and then that comes into play later but it it, for me anyway it was a huge control thing yeah and when you mentioned about it getting worse throughout covid I was also thinking maybe that could have been a new like when there's so many things in the world happening that are out of control food and exercise are the one thing that you feel you have control over when really it has control over you and you have no control over it at all.
1: Yeah, no, everyone thinks, like I think that you've put that perfectly, Lauren, that's amazing, because um, everyone thinks that it's about looking and eating, whereas, like you said, we're plenty of people who usually have eating disorders are perfectionists, and, you know, everything I do from my sport to my bed- my bedroom tidy... You know, eating whatever. else my house be is perfect. It has to be perfect. My room is tidy. My hangers go a certain way. They're in color order. You know, uh, it's like you know, um, I have to. I have to get when I was. You know, when I was really uh, suffering with it, I would have to do fifteen kilometers each day. Otherwise, no, can't eat. You know, massive control, massive perfectionist. You know, that was all it was about. It was never for me. It, it was, I hate feeling out of control, and if I couldn't control these certain things, then my life was a mess. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. but that's yeah. how I feel about it.
0: Yeah, what have you learned about that in terms of the control aspect? What have you learned about, like, because we feel like when we're going when we're eating foods that we've avoided because we consider them bad that that's us losing control I think that it's very common for people to think well if I eat breakfast after I've um, not eaten it for two years I'm losing control I've lost all willpower so what have you learned about yourself when it comes to control are there other ways that you've been able to find control in your life I mean life is just going to be chaos and messy anyway and it's about learning to live with that and accept that things are going to happen beyond your control and that's just life what happens so is there anything that you've learned about yourself or anything that you're doing to try and like feel like you're in control in other areas that are healthier for you
1: yeah I think uh I will always I will always have you know, just because you lose an eating disorder doesn't mean you lose your awareness, right, of food. You're always, you're always aware, you think about what you eat, okay? I think about what's best for me. I think about how is this going to make me feel to be my best version of myself, okay? That is an area that I feel is a healthy control. And it's just about monitoring your controls and seeing, is this best for me? How does this impact other people, right? And I feel like that was the main way I had to look at my controls after, you know, Sometimes when um, I would have people around, you know, when I'd have my girlfriend around my house and I couldn't necessarily control the state of my room at that point, I would freak out. Is that the best for me? No, not really, because I know that I'm probably not being the nicest person I can be, who I like to be. Uh, Is that the best for my girlfriend? No, it's not, because she feels awkward probably. And so it's just about having to Put yourself in other people's shoes and, you know, for a second and think, is this control benefiting them? Is it benefiting me? And it's it's really hard because I like my room being tidy, but also, is it healthy? Like, is it healthy that I have a weird obsession with that? Not a weird obsession, that's the wrong word, but it's just, it's a really uncomfortable question to ask yourself. And it's, yeah. it's you have to, but if you're going to improve, it has to be uncomfortable before. Yeah, you improve. I think. Yeah, I think
0: that's very, very important. Like, you have to get uncomfortable in order to grow, and challenging this disorder is extremely uncomfortable. It's never, it's never fun. And I get, I do get a lot of people asking, "Well, how do you challenge those fear foods? Like, how do you do it?" You just have to do it. Yeah, you just have to do it, and then over time it does get easier and it's such a boring answer and people want a I don't know like a a magic pill which just gets them from A to B very very quickly but it just that's not how it works
1: And, and this is our everything in life at the moment we get so quickly we get you know we can order something it can arrive in less than 24 hours you know there's all sorts of things and then we see these like oh get abs in 15 and it's like you not oh. you know it's not it's not a healthy mindset to have you know if you want something it's gonna take a bit of work it's gonna it's gonna take a bit of time but I guarantee you it's gonna feel a lot better than when you get it within a day like if you do it within six months like yeah.
0: you know? oh gosh I used to be obsessed with those videos yes. like I loved them. yeah In twelve days or something,
1: (laughs) Um, like honestly, I get like what some people do, and there's nothing wrong with them. But I was like, yeah, this is class. I can go and eat what I want after. (laughs) Really though,
0: yeah, so those YouTube videos, oh, they got me every time. (laughs) Is there anything that you wish people knew about eating disorders from a male perspective? I
1: think, I think that it's just okay to be have an eating disorder or feel uncomfortable around food. So many people I know i spoke to a lot of blokes and the way they talk around food they are uncomfortable around it and if you don't talk about it with others then the situation you're in will never get solved and you will always be slightly living life being miserable around food and that is not nice at all and many other things that come with food as you say like social occasions and birthdays and all these things and it is not nice and I think You just, whatever it takes, you know, just speak to that one person and that who is your closest friend, like I did. My closest friend to this day, I spoke to him and it just helped. He didn't really necessarily do anything, you know, to get me help in my journey, from whenever I was 17 and I spoke to him, but it just helped to speak to someone and actually someone so close to you to say, that's not weird. It just means the world. So, yeah. Speak out. Yeah. Yeah. did you have a journal no I've I've never been a big journaler and it's something I always want to start uh and I always try and I kind of give up but um
0: yeah. yeah it's not for everyone I was just curious I don't I don't think it is for everyone and I know there's a lot of um advice out there to and for some people it does really really help to uh, like write questions and then answer them about yourself yeah. and this disorder oh. or like Write a letter to yourself,
1: your future yeah. self. So, I did that. I did, yeah. do that with, I did that with Caroline. So she spurred me on to do that. A uh, letter, uh, letter of, you know, me speaking to myself now and then later, and that was really helpful because it puts you in a really good mindset of, you know, it's like telling yourself what are the pros and cons of having an sort of. Well, the pros right now. Oh, well, I feel good about myself. And then the cons, it's just like this long list of everything yeah. right, having eating disorder. And then you look forward for you know a year's time if you were recovered and you'd say, the pros are all there and there's no cons. There are no cons, but not having any disorder.
0: Yeah, well, I think, oh well, exactly. I think that's, um, that's a, a really great exercise. Mm. So what's life like for you now? Final question. What is life like for you now? What headspace are you currently in?
1: Life is. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. Like, I wake up every day, I'm buzzing for breakfast, <laughs> which is lovely. Um, I do not get anxious about having to miss days for running uh, or exercise. I exercise now for the reasons that are right, uh, for getting better, bettering myself within the sport, but also, you know, going out and enjoying the scenery, you know, um, I share food and special moments and all these different things with with everyone, and that makes me really happy. As I say, I'm a big extrovert, so I would, losing that touch was really hard, and I didn't really know that at the time. Um, and and yeah, I'm just able to fuel myself uh, to give everything I have into my passion, which is obviously my business, working with you know kids in a well-being setting and and yeah, it's just, it just—it just is so lovely. It's so, <laughs> it, so
0: it, it is, isn't it? It's amazing. And I think when you are stuck in the worst of it, you your eating disorder tells you this will never be you. You'll never be able to have a healthy relationship with food. You'll never be like this person who has that healthy relationship with food. And it tells you all these lies to keep you stuck in that mindset. But you are living proof that. You can absolutely recover from this and you can have a normal relationship with food no matter how long. You mentioned before that I've only had this for four years. Four years is a very long time, still. It is, there is, still it is. a long time to be living in that really restrictive mindset. And I think even one year is a long time. So, no matter how many years someone's been living with it, and Caroline as well, if no one's listened to my podcast on Caroline, go back and listen to that because I think she mentioned she lived with live with it for like 30 30 odd years yeah,
1: yeah. And-, and I think that's a something you know uh you know when you I said that because I I'm insecure because other people have had it for way longer and you only and you see a lot of the people that have it for way longer and that's a, another thing that you think someone's going to come at you for oh well you've only had it for four or five years like it's not that hard so you know if anyone's there you know with an eating disorder even had it for a month it's still horrible yeah and I want to I'm sure that's prevalent you know for other people speak out about it even if it's been you know a day like <laughs>
0: yeah exactly yeah definitely well thank you so much i mean i i don't know if you have any last lasting thoughts anything for someone who is maybe in your position right now and they haven't told anyone they're feeling really really stuck and they don't know where to go from here but they they know they need help what would be your one piece of advice for them
1: uh, just speak to the speak to the people you trust and uh and really and 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 find why you want to stop work out why you want to stop having an eating disorder because if you go and get help and you're not fully invested in it then you won't change whereas if you do go and get that help and you trust the process and you trust the journey then you will change and you will um you know recover from it like I said it took me nine weeks before that that you know that switch you know flicks for me and it changed my life so just trust it and just yeah those people close to you they will help you and they will find a way 100% yeah
0: trusting the process is hard <laughs> it is very very hard but I think one like you said like there'll come a time where like something just switches and you're like okay this works There's yeah. like this life is better life is something worth living for thank you amazing and where can people find you if they want to connect with you say hi or maybe even work with you are you taking on clients at the minute
1: yeah yeah yeah, no. so open to taking clients and stuff so uh, my instagram is called wellspace underscore health coaching so yeah and I'm not working with people with eating disorders as I'm going through the training but in a health coaching setting um, (laughs) yeah you know but if anyone has any questions you know please just fire away uh, and and I'd be more than happy to speak to anyone that's you know struggling with eating disorder or just health in general.
0: Amazing I will also link your Instagram in the show notes so people can find it there but thank you so much for your time and sharing your experience I know it's a really personal thing to share so thank you so much I really appreciate that and I just hope someone listening um, can resonate with it and it helps them maybe take that step forward to their recovery journey.
1: Thank you for having me on Roy. I love what you're doing and I think it's amazing. Thank you.